Jesus, this is our prayer this morning. For Lord, we know that without you, we have nothing and can do nothing. Apart from you, Jesus, in you, truly all things are possible. So we ask, Lord, again, for just a fresh baptism of your light and grace and love to flood and fill our hearts that we might be transformed, become the people of God who you've called us to be. Help us now to hear your voice. Um, I'm struck this morning, and, and Lynn mentioned earlier, and I so appreciated what she said about just recognizing the big, big family that God has put us in. And sometimes I think being here on a Sunday morning, you might not actually fully understand or recognize uh, just how large that family is and is becoming. And I just want to just give a couple of words of testimony, encouragement, and thank you, Stephanie, so much for encouraging our hearts. And you know, um, Bethel is a lot more than what happens here on any given Sunday. This family is comprised of many more family members than you might see typically from week to week. And so we're just so grateful for people like Stephanie who were part of us and who've gone out and continuing to serve the Lord and do kingdom work and kingdom ministry. Thank you. Hallelujah. Well, this morning we are going to continue our series on Daring Do. Again, our quote here from Eleanor Roosevelt, the world needs dreamers, the world needs doers, but most of all, the world needs dreamers who are doers. And over the last several uh, weeks, we've had the opportunity to uh, look at a number of different great men and women who have been examples to us. Romans 15.4 tells us everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So we've been encouraged today and, 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 and over these weeks, and I feel like there's wind coming up in our sails. The, uh, this week I had the privilege for a couple of days, Pastor Sam and Pastor Ben and I went on a prayer and planning retreat together. It was a marvelous time. I love those men. Thank you for, uh, yeah, thank you for continuing to support them in their ministry. It's just a, a, a joy to, to be with them and to work with them. And, and one day, um, we were up at my brother's cabin in northern Wisconsin, and, and, um, and it was super, super windy. And I, I looked up. We were we just happened to be outside at that moment. I looked up. And there was a bald eagle. And in the wind, and he was just, he was just soaring. I mean, it's a magnificent sight. I mean, you know, it's just, it's a magnificent sight. I wish I, wish I could bring you there with me. But just to watch him, I, I don't think I ever saw his, his wings flap once. He was just, and he was going. I mean, he was moving. 
And that's what I feel like God wants to do. I feel like God is wanting to put fresh air under our wings during this time. As we're going through this series of Daring Do, as we, as we observe the great men and women that we've been looking at, we, we saw Abraham and the call from the Lord to get out, to, to not settle for something less or something else than God's greater purposes and plans. For Gideon to step up, even when he felt like, who me? But God had called him as a mighty warrior to step up. And God is calling you, whatever your age or stage of life, whatever you happen to think about yourself, God has a word of how he actually thinks about your life. And I believe that he's calling us in this season to step up. For Hannah, it was to look up, to recognize, to to understand that that as she looked up to the Lord, he would answer, even as we, as we sang today, whisper his name, call out his name, shout out his name. As she did that, God answered. In the midst of her pain, God spoke to her. And there was things in her that had to die. She had to be willing to dare to die to her own dreams in order to receive the fullness of God's dream in the life of Samuel. And David, to look around, to see, to notice what God is doing around you. A lot of times it's just a matter of our attentiveness. We simply don't see what's right in front of our face. God is at work. He's doing something. He is doing, he is at work all the time. My father is always about his work. The father's always about his work. Sometimes we see it, sometimes we don't. And then there's Mary. Push on. Push through. Net brought the word last week. If you weren't here, I would encourage you to get a hold of that CD. They're back in the back, along with all of the rest of the CDs from this series, along with PowerPoints for you to look at and listen to. Uh, I would encourage you to do that or pull them off of the web because I believe you'll be blessed. And uh, last week, the kind of the burning question that was left with us was, what is God birthing in and through you in this time, in this season of your life. And the invitation of the Lord to push on whatever trimester you're in. It was wonderful as Annette kind of laid that out. It was, a, it was really helpful uh, for me. And, and I got to hear it twice because I got to hear it Sunday evening when she preached at Minneapolis. And it just really fell on me like a ton of bricks. You know, those, the, the, those trimester, those, the first trimester when it doesn't look like anything's happening and that second trimester when there's a lot of energy and excitement and then the third trimester when you're just ready. And then the transition comes. And it's messy and it's hard. But the word of the Lord is push. Push on. Whatever season you're in, whatever trimester you're in, push on. Don't give up. What's God birthing in and through you? This morning, we're going to be looking at the life of Peter for a moment. There's so much that we could talk about with Peter but we're going to look at, encapsulate one specific event in his life. I want to begin with a quote that somebody sent me as a part of, and people, I love it, by the way, you can send me things when you're hearing about dreaming and different stuff like that, or something connects with you. It's really helpful for me. I love it. If, if the Lord gives you something prophetic, would you please send it to me? If the Lord gives you a scripture, you have no idea how timely those things can be. So please don't ever hesitate to think, oh boy, he just doesn't, you know, if, it's, if you're hearing something from the Lord, if you're in your reading, if you've read something, if you've, 
you know, come across something, and again, in Scripture, if God's spoken a word into your heart, um, we want to hear that, long to hear that, love to hear that, what God is speaking. And so somebody had sent me this, said, uh, it's a quote from T.E. Lawrence, all men dream, but not equally. Those who dream by night in the dusty recesses of their minds wake in the day to find that it was vanity. But the dreamers of the day are dangerous men, for they may act their dream with open eyes to make it possible. So here's what the Lord sort of put in my heart, just in response to that and to what I'm going to be sharing with you this morning. God has always and will always raise up dangerous men and women in his kingdom who are willing to act upon their God-given dreams, who will not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but rather have been transformed by the renewing of their minds. And these are the women and the men who break out. So here's what I'm sensing in my spirit. I've been sensing this for a while. And, and, and again, this morning, uh, or uh, this, this week, when, when Pastor Sam and Pastor Ben and I were on retreat, uh, the Lord really put a word just down in my spirit. It was stretch. <laughs> Time to stretch. Time to break out. Time to break out. All right, key scripture this morning is from Acts 10, 34 and 35, again, we're going to be looking at 10, 1 to eleven eighteen, and we'll just kind of summarize some of that here, but Peter began to speak and said, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. Now, for Peter to say those words meant that some kind of transformation had happened in his mindset. Because as a Jewish man, this would not have been the cultural or spiritual or any kind of whatever box in which he'd been raised. For a, gen- for a Jewish man, you know, the, the prayer was when something along the lines of, thank God that you have not made me a slave, a Gentile, or a woman. That was a Jewish man's prayer. Because somehow all of those people were in one way or another marginalized or, you know, they, they just, they weren't God's favorites. But that wasn't God. So God had to do some mindset changes. And he had to do some changes to Peter to cause him to break out of a mindset that he had. And what I want to ask ourselves and what I want to look at this morning briefly is what was the transformation process that Peter went through which enabled him to break out of his cultural conformity and into God's kingdom dream? Because sometimes you and I... God has a dream that he has planted within us for our lives, and yet we find ourselves conformed and in a way actually constrained and confined by some cultural, maybe personal, maybe religious, you know, there's all kinds of different things that can form hardened mindsets that become boxes into which we put God, out of which he wants us to break out. 
because we won't fulfill the fullness of what he has intended for us if we're not willing to let him work in us his transformation to bring us to a place of breaking out. So, let's talk about that a little bit. It begins in, with our attitude. Turn with me, if you would, to Acts chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible, please take advantage of the Bible that's located in the rack in front of you. And turn to the book of Acts, which is, comes right after the four Gospels. So it's in the New Testament. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then there's the book of Acts. Acts chapter 10, I'm going to start reading. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and his family were devout and God-fearing, and he gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision and distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord, he asked. And the angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. And when the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of the attendants and told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. Now, guys, I always take great comfort from this. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, fell into a trance. Guys, you understand. All right? He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners, and it contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles of the earth and birds of the air. And a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord. Now, I don't know if you get the irony there, but that one always, you know, no, Lord. Now, is that an oxymoron or not? Okay. All right. You, you think about that. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. And the voice spoke to him a second time. Don't call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of this vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. And they called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. And while Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. And Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, we have come from Cornelius the centurion. He's a righteous and God-fearing man, is respected by all the Jewish people, and a holy angel told him to have you come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. And then Peter invited the men into his house to be his guests. All right, now there's just a whole lot that I could unpack here, but I I really want to get to the meat of things this morning. So I'm not going to take time to kind of give you a lot of, I think there's a lot of great historical stuff that we could talk about here, but I just... I just want you to notice, I just want you to walk through the interactions that are going on, and just sort of walk through the narrative and the story as it's unfolding. So here's Cornelius, who's a God-fearing man. He's a centurion. He's a Gentile. Okay? He's not a Jew, but he's God-fearing. And, and he's praying and giving gifts to the poor, and, and God comes and speaks to him and tells him to go and to get, to, to send for Peter. 
All right? And Cornelius, I love Cornelius. You know, Cornelius doesn't say, surely not. Cornelius sends men to go get Peter. All right? And so they went off and to Joppa. All right? Now here's Peter. And Peter's there. He's praying. He's up, and, uh, uh, you know, up on the rooftop, praying, hungry, falls into a trance, and sees this sheet come down with these animals. Now, these are animals that according to his, all of the training that he has had, he is not supposed to be eating. This is what he has been taught all of his life, not to touch these particular animals. And he says, surely not, I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. And listen, the voice spoke to him and said, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And this happened three times. Okay? God is affirming. Now, the first thing that's got to shift in Peter here, and the first thing that has to shift in us, if we're going to experience breakout, is a shift in terms of our attitude. We need to have, all of us need to have AA. We need to have attitude adjustment. Okay? That's just part of the deal. And that attitude adjustment begins when we come to the place of repentance, which really has to do with coming in agreement with God. It means turning from our own understanding and direction and getting ourselves in God's. Right? I mean, that's what repentance is. It's turning. I'm going this way. Peter was going this way. He was a good Jewish man. But he needed to have an adjustment of his attitude. There needed to be a transformation. He had conformed himself to a certain mindset that God wanted to shift and change. Now, as I was considering this, I, I thought of three things that probably, at least there's a struggle for me. They maybe are a struggle for some of you as well, that sometimes can prevent us or delay the attitude adjustment from happening in us. The first one is simply inertia. Anybody, anybody else struggle with inertia? Or am I the only one? Okay? You guys, some of you at least. Some of you at least will admit it. Okay? Inertia is just, it's just hard to get. It's hard to get moving. It's hard to make it. It's just so easy. Everything. Does this happen to you? Or is it only to me? You just kind of, it just becomes, you're just sitting there. And it's so hard to get the energy to break out and break into something, you know, because you just, it just becomes comfortable doing things the way they've always been done. Just sort of living life. A second one is nostalgia. Now, nostalgia, it can have a positive side. I mean, the Bible talks about, for the Israelites, remember. It's always talking about remembering. And it is important to remember. Remember all that God has done. But here's where nostalgia is dangerous. Nostalgia is dangerous when it becomes sort of, it, it, literally, I'm being honest here, it can become an idol. Because I remember what it used to be like. 
People do this all the time. Secular people do this all the time. Let's go back to the good old 50s. You know, and the nostalgic TV shows and all of that. Well, the good old 50s weren't good old 50s for everybody. Not even remotely. I don't want to go back to the 50s. Same in the church. The greatest hindrance to revival is the last revival. Well, God moved that way then. And if it's not happening that way now, can it be God? Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Right? So, you know, nostalgia is dangerous because it can lock us back in to the way it was when God wants to take us to the way it's going to be. Fear, that's a biggie. Just simple. I'm just afraid. And I love what Annette said last week. I mean, you know, when the angel came and spoke to Mary and spoke to Joseph, I mean, they were afraid. We're human. And God knows that we're afraid. He's not nervous about our fear. But when he comes to us and speaks to us, and he always, you know, the angels are always showing up saying, fear not. What they're saying is this. I know that you're afraid. But I'm going to ask you, I'm gonna, in fact, I'm imploring you, I'm, I'm, I'm actually even commanding you to not let that fear drive you, but stay standing because I've got something for you that's bigger and better than the fear that is trying to capture your life. Don't be driven by your fear. You want to be led by the Spirit. After repentance comes that reorientation. In fact, they're they're inseparable from one another. Repentance, by definition, results in reorientation. You can't truly repent without reorienting. And you aren't going to reorient if you haven't repented. But God wants to bring a reorientation into our lives. And there's really three simple steps to reorientation First of all, admit that you need reorienting. If you struggle with stuff in your heart, if there are things within you that you know don't align with God and His heart and His purposes for your life or His dreams within you or how, how, how you look at other people or how you, how you view, you know, whatever it might be, whatever it is that God wants to work in you, um, it's kind of silly to hide it. It's kind of like the child, you know, I mean, you know, we've all done it. I mean, we're kids, so, you know, if the monster can't see me, right? Or if I can't see the monster, the monster can't see me, right? Okay? Well, that's about how silly it is for us to try to hide under our blankies. Just admit it. Right? If you're struggling with some of those inertia, nostalgia, fear, admit it. Just admit it. And then submit it under the Lordship of Christ. Submission. I have come to, come to uh, at least in my own heart, realize that, you know, I, I have 
surrender has been my word forever. Submission is my word along with surrender now. I mean, God's just, because it's just so much better to submit to him. That's where life begins to flow. When I submit to him and what he said about things and what's in his heart. And then commit yourself to begin to move in a new way. And, and Peter did that. I mean, he, I think that, you know, we, we don't have the, the whole internal of what was going on in his head, but we know that at some point he must have admitted, okay, he submitted to what God said. You know, when God said, don't call anything impure, Peter began that attitude and he committed himself by going, well, at, first of all, by inviting the men into his house to be his guests. That was his first step of breaking out. And now we get to the second, which is the action. The next day, I'm in um, chapter 10 of Acts, the second half of the verse 23. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa went along, and the following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I'm only a man myself. Talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people and said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visit him. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. So, when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, Four days ago I was in my house praying at this hour, at three in the afternoon, and suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send a job for Simon, who's called Peter. He's a guest in the house of Simon the Tanner who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to you, to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. And Peter began to speak, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem, and they killed him by hanging on him, him on a tree. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. And the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And Peter said, well, can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They've received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked Peter to stay with them in a few days. Whew. Wow. All right. Small side note. Three weeks from now, we have a baptism service here. If you've never submitted yourself to baptism, the Bible's very clear over and over and over again. Jesus said, repent and be baptized. All, of the, all over. It's the next step. 
of your walk. If you want to unlock, if you want to break out, it's time to be obedient. So if you've not taken that step, maybe you were baptized as a child, and we just want to say we honor your parents for desiring for you to walk in Christ. And that baptism as an infant was there. Here, what we do is dedication, and, and we would view that baptism as a means of your parents expressing their desire for you to walk in Christ. Now, as a older child, young adult, old adult, doesn't matter what age you are, if you have received Christ, if you, if Christ is in you, baptism is the public way of, of showing that commitment that you have to him. And it's a powerful marker in your life. And I want to encourage you, I want to exhort you quite clearly to take that step of faith. Would you just see me? Contact the office, call Liz, let us know if you're interested. We'll get you information about that best decision you'll make this year. All right? Now, action. All right, the first action here is one of, well, there's two things that go on here that Peter, see, Peter's breaking out, specifically Peter's breaking out of, again, that cultural barrier between him and basically anybody who was not a Jewish male, all right? God's breaking him out, and there's a reconciliation happening, and Ephesians 2 talks about this, and now, in Acts 10, this, Paul rates this later, okay, but but Acts 10 is the demonstration of what this is teaching us, what Paul taught us in Ephesians chapter 2. He himself, that's Jesus, is our peace, who has made the two one, has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace, and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near, for through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. It is the cross that brings reconciliation. Reconciliation between us and God, and then reconciliation between us and others. It is the cross. We go through the cross. Only the cross. Nothing else is going to bring reconciliation. We can stand around and hold hands. Come on, darling. All right, we'll hold hands, and we'll think really good thoughts about each other. All right? That's not going to do it. It is the cross of Jesus Christ. It's when he breaks our pride. Because at the cross, all men, all women, all children, all people are equal. The cross is the great leveler. And that allows relationship to begin to happen. I love this. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you, Jesus says. Greater love has no one than this, than he laid down his life for his friends. You're my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. Ephesians 5.21, which again, I have come to believe is the key to human relationship, is submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. You want your friendships to work. You want your marriage to work. You want your um, neighborhood to work. You want... You know, you want life to work. <laughs> Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Come into that place of relationship with each other. It will break out. I mean, God wants to break us out 
of our isolation and bring us. I mean, Peter was being broken. The church, you see, this is Acts 10 and 11. I didn't say this earlier, but this is the hinge. You know, um, God had spoken to the, to the disciples when he ascended to heaven. He says, you will receive power when my spirit comes upon you and you will be my disciples to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. But the Jerusalem church did not fulfill the mandate. They didn't do the prophetic promise that God had given to them. They didn't fulfill the dream. Why? Because they were locked into their cultural captivity. And people, don't be unwise. Because we can be just as locked into our cultural captivity as they were. And be as blind to it as they were and not know it. But what God did with Peter begins to open the door for the next thing, which is the nations. In the Antioch church, the baton gets passed from Jerusalem to Antioch, and Antioch picks it up and takes it forward because they truly broke out as God intended. All right. So the action here was one of reconciliation, a relationship. I mean, Peter had to get inside of their home. Hmm. Let me just... uh, yeah. God has called us to be a house of prayer for all nations. Can I ask you a simple question? I'm gonna this is I, I don't there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Okay? So this is not a this is not a question. I do not want to bring this question with any hint of condemnation. Just simply asking a question to allow conviction from the Spirit. If we're a house of prayer for all nations, and the action, part of the action here is going to be a relationship. When was the last time you had someone from another culture in your house? When was the last time you invited somebody who wasn't like you to your home? And the baby says, <laughs> Ephraim's giving us the amen back here. And, you know? We love it when people come to ours or we get invited to others. I mean, I love, you know, I mean, there's so many people in here that I love, but, you know, somebody like Chris and Anna are like, you know, they're, Chris and Anna Williams. I mean, they're amazing hospitality. Anna makes the best rice ever. It's just the greatest stuff. All right. But I love going to their house. Because they're just right at home. Let's kick it up, people. <laughs> Break out. You don't know what my house looks like. Well, it's summertime. Bring them to your lawn or go to a picnic at the park. Take it up another level. All right. Activism. There's one more step, and this is found in Acts 11. So the apostles and the brothers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles who had received the word had also received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. 
All right? Peter began and explained everything to them precisely as it has happened. I won't read all of that because he really does tell them exactly what had happened. All right? So it's basically the whole thing of what just happened. In verse 18, when they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then, God has granted even the Gentiles repentance unto life. All right. Here's the call to represent him. This is the final piece. This is moving it from action, from attitude to action to activism. When we begin to actually represent Christ to the world as reconcilers called with the ministry of reconciliation. So from now on, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. This is our call, people. To be reconciled, to be activists, to actually go out and agitate in a godly way to represent Christ and all of his goodness to a world that doesn't know how to do it, doesn't get it. But the church, we break out. Break out. Worship team, come on up. You know our call here is to be a house of prayer for all nations. Isaiah 56. Foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to serve him. By the way, we're all foreigners Whether we were born in Minnesota or not, we're foreigners. We are all foreigners in Isaiah, unless we are Jewish. So I guess Judy Heisel, happy 70th birthday, Judy. Judy gets a pass. She's not a foreigner, okay? The rest of us who bind themselves to serve him, to love the name of the Lord, to worship him, all who keep his Sabbath without desecrating it, who hold fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. The sovereign Lord declares he who gathers the exiles of Israel. I'm going to gather still others to them beside those already gathered. He's going to gather some Somalis. Did you know that? So exciting to hear about Matu. That's a, that's a door. I don't know if you heard that, but I heard, Doorway! What God's doing with salt. Doorway! In our saturate reading, by the way, we're just about done. It has been so great. Oh, man, I've just loved this, going through the saturate. The last few books, last three books this week, and we're done. For now, yeah, just to start over again. All right. Thank you, Pastor Tom. All right, Malachi, Micah, I'm sorry, Micah 2. Just was reading this recently again. I will surely gather all of you, O Jacob. I will surely bring together the remnant of Israel. I will bring them together like sheep in a pen, like a flock in its pasture. The place will throng with people. One who breaks open the way will go up before them. They will break through the gate and go out. Their king will pass through before them, the Lord at their head. 
This is God's heart. His heart is to break out. He does not want these chains. We sang it earlier. Break every chain. That is the purpose and call of the Spirit of God on the people of God. It is Jesus' desire to help us to break out of all those things that have enslaved us that we might be free as children of God and that we might spread that freedom radiating life and joy. So my question to you is where is the king leading you and us to break out now? I believe God is speaking. Stretch, break out. Let's stand together and wherever the Lord is leading you, if you want to come down front and just bring that before the Lord, I'd invite you to do that. And then we're going to have a prayer of benediction this morning. But God, we just want to respond to you right now as you break us out. Jesus and break us into your calling your purposes come Lord help us Lord Jesus hallelujah it's going before us and you are breaking out and there are no gates of iron there are no bars of bronze that can hold you back continue to lead us out Jesus as your people Lord God, we submit ourselves to you, and we ask, take us forward, move us ahead, move us out, in Jesus' name, with open hands, I pray now, for the breaker anointing of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords to fall upon your life, that even this day, this week, you will find yourselves breaking out. As God changes your attitude, transforms, begins to encourage you in action. And as you even become an activist for him, I bless you. I bless you, people of God here at Bethel, in the name of Jesus today. Go in his goodness and grace until we gather again. Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory, glory.